Greetings. I'm Sonia Brooks, the Song Bee, and this is The Vibe Juice. Welcome to episode 34 of The Vibe Juice. We are back. We've been gone away for a minute, but we are back. And today, your Vibe crew, you have your host, Sonia Song Bee. Welcome, welcome. And we have Ali R. Rashid. Glad to see you black, brother. Black. I'm, I'm, I'm black and happy to be black. Thanks for being black. At all. <laughs> welcome. All the time. Welcome. So we are now into the season of fall. It's October. I know it's been a few months, but my, uh, we're going to take it from here. There's so much to cover, but I think what's real important You know, first of all, again, I want to say to all the people and listeners out there, thanks for uh, vibing with we. And uh, again, welcome to today's episode and today's Vibecast. We will be discussing what's disrupting America and disrupting the globe. And number one right now today is COVID-19. How has COVID-19? COVID impacted your life, your work life, your income, your life in the world. How you doing, Ali? I'm excellent. How are you? You know what? I'm real good. good. I'm real good, you know, and uh, I have not been, I've been COVID free since this p- pandemic began in okay. uh, what, March 2020 is when they mm-hmm. pretty much shut down everything. Yeah. So we are about 18 months Mm -hmm. or so, about 18 months now. And our world has changed. Oh, constantly changing. And it's constantly evolving, you know, and it's just, and it's interesting to see it unfold, how it's impacting lives and forcing people, you know, just many things, our view and, and observation, our understanding about ourselves, how we live. And how we perceive that things are supposed to be against to how it's been. Well, you know, one thing I find very, very intriguing is the constant chatter about when are we going to return to normal? <laughs> there is no fucking normal. What's Get that? off of it and let go of it because in reality, prior to COVID-19, what people thought was normal wasn't normal. All COVID did was amplify that reality. So you you can stop asking yourself when it's going to return to normal because the world never was normal. Your perception may have been what you thought was a day-to-day normal situation. But one thing I think that COVID has done is made it clear to so many people who for a variety of reasons, have not been really cognizant of others' perception of reality. Now, because of the state of the electronic communications and the media and all of that, now you're almost forced to have to realize that there are a multiplicity of perceptions. There, there's as many perceptions damn near as people on the planet. 
<laughs> Which means there's a whole lot of perception. Everybody got a booty hole, so okay. you know, <laughs> so everybody got a, a opinion and observation, yeah, right? But that's, I think that's one of the things I I find intriguing, is just listening to people talk about when is it going to go back to normal. That's a good point, though. So you know, talking about what people think and perceive to be normal, let's talk about work. Yeah, work lives. So at the beginning of the pandemic, there was probably within the first 90 days, a reduction in workforce because many places had to eventually shut down. Yeah. So the first impact of what I think under what people believed to be normal was how they earned their income, what they did daily, be it five days a week or seven days a week. Uh, or three days. Or three days. Because that's something else that happened in the early stages was that there was the change was so constant that I know people that went from working a five-day, seven- or eight-hour day a week, 40, 45, 50 hours a week. Then it was 30. Yeah. Then it was 20. Right. And then, to me, ironically as we get later closer to, to today's date, now you have more people that are actually working more, making, in many cases, a little more than they were making before the pandemic. Isn't that interesting? Um, and they could not have predicted the mix mm-hmm. of how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, Right. So this is, you know what, I'm going to tell you something that I said at the beginning of the pandemic when lockdown meant you were going to be at home. People don't come outside. You're not coming to a, jo- a job, you're a place to work. You're not coming to a restaurant. You're not going for lunch. None of that. No, None you're not that. going to lunch. You're not coming to a large building and passing security and going to your offices. We're not doing none of that. Corporate coffins. Co- yeah, corporate coffins. We're not doing that. You know, our little uh, major concrete cities, you know, no. <laughs> you're going to stay in the confine of your own prisons. So, there were many things that had to unfold in this because I said in the beginning, I said, you know what this means? This is a period for all Americans, not just Americans, but I'm the, but for this topic, I'm going to say Americans particularly because we have some strange working cultures. But Americans now will be forced to learn a lot of things and discover about themselves. Uh, no. About themselves, yeah. because if you're forced, think about it. Mm-hmm. If you're forced in a prison cell, which is typically what, maybe ten by ten, nine by nine, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's small. Small, Hella small. You got time on your hands to for your mind to bring up everything from your past, pay all kind of tricks, whatever. And you then eventually, till you get to the breaking point, and then you get go through a survival process, right? The same thing within the confines of the home. Some people in Americans were so hostile later down the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, timeline that they, because they were going crazy for many different things at home and taking it out on their spouse, especially people in a couple situations, marriage or, or just domestic partners, yeah. people going crazy because they got to deal with each other more than they would typically not and being which, able to stand each other. up the fact that a lot of you were skating on the surface of your, <laughs> of your personal relationship. Wow. 
that's why and that's why that's mm. one reason why we're never going back to normal wake up calls this was a process of knowing and discovering things about ourselves whether we wanted to accept them those truths are not nobody cared it meant in your (laughs) relationships it meant in your in your job place reevaluating you know all of these all of a sudden um mental awakenings because while we were in existing what people thought called normal in one matrix we transitioned to a different normal to a different, in a different normal matrix. in a different matrix right and it's still unfolding it's still unfolding still evolving yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i have to laugh because it's so deep in that just that statement alone if people could even grasp and comprehend you know while and if they knew early on while it was occurring to be wise enough to know that they're in the midst of this type of a change. Yeah. Don't trip, don't lose, you lose yourself, yeah. but just understand, you know. And it's not just you. Right. It's not just your employer. It's not just your life partner. It's not just your kids. Mm-hmm. It's not just your pets. It's the whole freaking thing. Right. Everything is changing. Right. Everything's evolving. Right. So therefore, you know, I mean, I've seen this is just a sort of off, but still connected. Mm-hmm. I've noticed a greater number of men on a daily basis carrying an animal with them. Hmm. Now, why do you think that is? What's the explanation for that? I don't know, <laughs> but I think in some cases, I think in some cases, mm-hmm. they have given in to the er, the feeling. Of wanting to be connected. Ah. So uh-huh. they may have had, you know, the 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 uh, friends that were, you know, the the male buddies. They may have had uh, female friends uh-huh. who they drank with or went to dinner with or went to the movies or whatever. Any and all of those relationships mm-hmm. are changing. Right. Some of them, they have found too much dead time. Hmm. Too much time unconnected, hmm. not linked up to somebody. And I mean, it's, I mean, and I've seen it in stores. I've seen it in restaurants, you know, the little bag <laughs> on the shoulder. Yes. And then it's like, well, what are, what's going on? And then it's like the animal in there. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, you know, now that you said that, you know, I've, I've, I've become aware of that too. I think in my mind, I kind of thought of it as, like, really to your point, um, and and not just men, but when it's, you yeah, see more yeah. men than usual, that uh, people are feeling, uh, are in putting themselves in a position to be real caregivers over whether it's their pet or whatever, that they have to be the protector, the provider, the caregiver, yeah. if there's nothing else to be connected in that way. Yeah. Not so much maybe always other people, but even if it's as simple as just a pet. Well, traveling, to me, there's always been a population that traveled with their pets. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been to employers to where they had a, a corporate policy 
where they had a room and they had a place to walk them and you know <laughs> then you could have a little locker to put stuff in for your dog right. or your cat and particularly At those work. those more progressive high-tech environments oh, they, yeah. they heavy on the high-tech. all yes heavy on the high-tech yes um but now it's interesting because i think people are really doing it out of a need whether they they consciously accept that need or not they're responding to that need and when you have people wearing masks greatly greatly constricted in their social interactions I mean like a guy told me he said you know I live with a woman and I don't think I've seen her full face like 10 or 15% of the time over the, the time of the pandemic. Okay, this has nothing to do with her wearing makeup. No. Okay. No, no, no. He he meant the mask. Oh. See, and he was okay. just saying, he said, I, I would never have thought about any of that if we weren't being mandated to wear masks. Okay. He said, but you know, she asked him, well, when's the last time you saw my face? And he said it kicked off a whole thing. It was like, wow, wait a minute. When is the last time I saw your face? You know, and then they began, he said they went into a deep conversation because neither one have ever brought it up. And both were aware of it, but not consciously grappling with it. Hmm. So when it, when she brought it up, he started thinking and he said, was like, well, wait a minute, hold it. So that means people that I'm connected to, I'm not really even experiencing the same level of connection. Because this, when you cover the lower two-thirds of your face, right. what we go on the way people move, the way they talk, um, facial expressions. Yeah, so much that, taken for granted. Yeah, all, all, and you don't, you don't get it until it's not there. Yeah. And then he said it was like, damn. You know, I could, oh, he said he could, for example, he said he could tell when his partner was about to laugh. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said he says something and he looks at her and he can he can see it coming. Right? He said with the mask, I don't know. Well, I don't know whether she got it or not. So, are you saying that they're in a house and in, in, in the same they dwelling and wearing masks with each other? Well, wearing masks when they go out, wearing masks if they go, you know, if they, right. if they outside. Yeah. Once you leave a house, right. most places expect you to be right. wearing a mask. Right. Right. He was just saying that even though they don't wear the mask 100% of the time mm-hmm. when they're in their, their unit, their, mm-hmm. their dwelling, mm-hmm. he said, but just the, the slight change that occurred. You know, he said he when it he, it occurred to him, he was like, you know what? I used to, our laughter fed each other. So I might say some funny shit, and I see her getting ready to crack up, and then she cracks up, then I crack up, she says something, I say, you know, and, and, and that's that interaction. Right. That's that exchange of energy that most Westerners don't really think about mm. in terms of the, the, the serious value of it. Yeah, other than these are things, there's so much that we probably realize now that we've really just taken for granted. Yeah. Um, and given almost no no value to. Right. 
in the lifestyle that what we feel was normal. Now, you know what? And and I have to say this generationally, what in some generations think that things are considered normal are not normal in other generations and, and, oh, and newer generations. That's part, so that's part of the differences between <laughs> generations. Yes. Yes. So, it, you know, it's, it's, but what's interesting now, let's say you have your zoomers, I call them zoomers. The zoomers are now maybe 22 and under. So let's say 18, 19, 22, the t- tweens, you know, from 15 to 22. And then you have your, uh, uh, what is it? Your millennials. Uh, no, millennials no. after that, right? Yeah. Yeah, millennials. And then after <laughs> millennials, you have the Xers. Right. Yeah. So the millennials are the ones that are like maybe 23 to 30, 20, 39 now, I think, something like that. Okay. Yeah, they're approaching 40 now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, and, and now for the first time, what's weird, because let's say the changes that we have to now adjust that are are rapidly and technology too has something to do with how more we're perceiving dealing with changes and transi- transitions mm-hmm. this is not something that has been customary with with society modern day society you know uh, other than in let's say in the 60s all the changes that we were rapidly going through had to do with social most of mostly social and political now you know the change is happening rapidly in Whereas you have your Zoomers and and um, millennials that now are looking at it's like who would ever thought they would be at their at that age, particularly the Zoomers, you know, mm-hmm. under twenty two, mm-hmm. things change so rapidly. Their minds have to adjust. Period. Period. Just like if you were in your elementary age age, you know, uh, as a kid, while the things that were going on during civil rights and it matured your mind. Because you had to process these things that were going on. So now you have younger groups of kids that have to process things as they're normal. What, you know, now for the, really the more people who are a little more aged through the process, and that means millennials and, and on, that because they had to make changes that are bitter and upset. It's like, why do I have to live outside of this? This is not normal. Have to Are forced to have to deal with change. Well, forced forced to deal with their definition of normal. Right. See, and that's what many generations have been able to escape. Mm. You know, not, not, not now. I think you got at least two or three generations right now mm-hmm. who are struggling to, to just maintain. Absolutely. This is the biggest challenge. I think that uh, people have to, uh, on a mass basis, yeah. that people have yeah. to uh, look at and adjust Whoever thought from 2019 to 2021, late 2021, going in 22, that the changes that we've all had to undergo is mm-hmm. starting to become and feel permanent. But the people that have are the backlash, you know, that are, uh, you know, uh, responding and resisting in anger and protest and all kind of craziness, which is showing up in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. You know, constantly. And, you know, and it's... uh also uh, a very consorted uh, resistance that's showing mm-hmm. up, you know. To well, it's, it's a diffuse. It's not, it's not organized. It's not coordinated. It tends to break down to little individual things happening, which indicate further impact in the population, but they're not coordinating it 
in their in their generation group, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I recently heard a conversation between, I guess, basically two Z two Zoom folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. One was like nineteen, I think the other was twenty, twenty one, mm-hmm. maybe twenty two. Mm-hmm. The nineteen year old is telling the older one, man. Why I gotta keep track of all this streaming shit? Hmm. And his thing was, I remember my parents subscribed, and we had a TV guide, mm. and it actually told you what the fuck was coming on, mm-hmm. and you knew the day and the time. And okay, this is a TV series, so it comes on every Tuesday at seven thirty. <laughs> uh, this is a t- made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be five of them. There's going to be one, and we're going to show it the, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to hear him talk about his expectation from his memory of how it was growing up hmm. in his parents' home. He said, you know, we, we didn't have to fuss about who's going to watch what mm-hmm. and when and how. And he said, now, every day. There's a new TV guide. Mm-hmm. Every day, Netflix announces, mm-hmm. Amazon announces, mm-hmm. Hulu announces, Roku announces. You got 10 or 12 major sources yeah. of streaming entertainment, and the shit is constantly changing. So I can't say, oh, Wednesdays is this day that I watch this, this, and this. I don't know. You know why? Part of that is that they want you to subscribe so you have access at any time to any one of those series 24/7. whenever. And now you've got all these competing companies that want you to access independently and pay independently, whereas before it was a network all being broadcast through one major vehicle. And you didn't have to. You just turn the channel for different channels as very, as you said, specific times, and that's it. Yeah. But they, they've complicated those things for money. This guy this guy was telling his friend, like, man, look, them $10 a month, I got free Netflix, but I got another Netflix that I pay on. I got this with Amazon, this with Prime, this would, you know, he said, but at the, he said, he said, he said last month he had sat down and tried to write down what he needed to pay each month. He said, when he looked at it and started adding it up, it was like, oh, hell no. How did I get, but that's because it's all so disseminated. It's, it's, it's all so loose. You don't see it in a codified manner. You know, well, yeah, I paid this over here for $5 a month, and then I got Major League Baseball, and I got soccer, I got Netflix, I got Hulu, I got Disney, I got Disney Plus, I got Prime, I got Prime Plus. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, when you add that shit up, he said, man, I'm paying like four or $500 a month on bullshit TV. He said, I don't watch that much TV. I don't have time. I'm trying to pay the bills, but I've subscribed because of what they, exactly what you said. You now have unlimited access, right? But I can't watch TV in an unlimited manner. So when you have, um, 
the 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 thinkers and planners uh, in in the major corporations who hire people straight out of these, you know, Ivy League and otherwise colleges mm-hmm. to figure out how to monetize and further break down everything that we have that's going to you know that you can divide and create a and service and charge yeah. for it. That's where we are. Exactly. That's where we are. And nobody is putting any rationale on it other than we're offering it to you. (laughs) Do you want it? So when do we get enough? So the people that decide to say, you know what? I'm unplugging because it's all bullshit. Nobody who's going to the library these days. And even with the accessibility of library, now you can access it online electronically but there was a beauty about libraries going to the library actually handling the actual knowledge product right touching researching going through the Reading, index card checking it, that, at that, talking to that. the the librarian who was excited about certain subjects and topics and would show you a whole host of information that other people didn't, didn't even know and especially those special rooms of oh, information, yeah, you know, room, yeah, you yeah. know, so I mean, um, just staying, I mean, how do people choose to stay connected? That's where circling back to this COVID and the impact and how people choose to adjust. If anything, I'm sure that all of these corporations and media corporations have found their subscriptions go up because of COVID, right? Yeah. So behavior in our uh, our thirst and that needs to be quenched, to be entertained, not enough with the mate or whomever that we might be living with. And if it's not that, if it's a pet, now we got to carry the pet everywhere we go. You know, it's the need, the human need to feel connected or something in some way yeah. to kind of sort themselves out because they feel out of sorts because they feel things aren't normal. Yeah. How do you live and accept your life impacted with change and the change of COVID, not even mention climate. Oh, yeah, we haven't even got to climate change. So <laughs> with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back.
customers poorly every day. Whenever we have a problem with it, we're told that we're replaceable. I'm tired of the constant gaslighting. This company treats their elderly associates like to Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. Greta and Kathy, shame on y'all for treating your associates the way you do. I hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us. Shout out to Kamenik, Patty, Shardell, and so many more. Walmart doesn't deserve y'all. Manage it and this job, I quit. Hello. And we're back from our break. Back. Back after that little uh, <laughs> little soundbite of Walmart employee that announced over the speakerphone that uh, this job sucks, you guys suck, and you know what? The hell with it. I'm gone. I quit. I'm going to let you know on the loudspeaker, this is not announcing a blue light special. Shoppers, I'm announcing that... The people on this job and my manager, uh, uh, Cornell or whatever his name was, you're a pervert and you treat your elderly wrong. You treat your workers, you treat other people wrong. And this job sucks. How many places is that today? You know what? I think part of that reality and that boldness of speaking out is also an outcome of the workers in COVID. I really do. Well, look at look at what. Healthcare workers mm-hmm. and first responders have been forced to do because mm. of COVID. See, you can't tell me that I'm a critical cog in mm. your machine and treat me like shit. Mm. I'm not going to, uh, no, 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 no. If I'm critical, you're going to treat me based on my true value. Mm. But you can't tell me that your operation is dependent on my cooperation, my uh, loyalty, and you pay me like shit. Right. I saw an interview two days ago with a guy that's a first responder, drives, a, he's an EMT. He doesn't have a health care plan. Now, that's crazy. How can you be in that field of work? Because the company he works for Tell me he works would, less than 20 hours or something like no, that. No, no, he works 40, 50 hours a week. Mm. He's full time. And he said, now, he doesn't know what the situation is with the part-timers. He said, but he knows one thing. They were asking for 30% of his after-tax income to pay for his plan. Wow. That's leaving him with nothing. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm the one picking up the people that's fucked up. I'm the I'm, one that's I'm, risk. I'm at risk. And risking my whole household. And you're going to tell me, oh, well, you know, you'll have to pay for your own plan. It's like, well, how the hell do I do that? But that's what these jobs are doing. They've been doing this for a while. Oh, I don't know. It's old. It's old. See, yeah. and that's, that's the thing I think that more and more people are beginning to, to seize on is that none of this is new. Hmm. You're just now hearing of it. Because right. of COVID and the issues related to COVID. But this is old. But think about it. But there was a time, let, let's say, let's go back to the 80s and part of the 90s, I believe. Part. Maybe it was in the two. I think it was in the 2000s. It was, in fact. Uh, and particularly, I think, after the recession, that if you look for work, you weren't getting your health care covered anymore. Oh, no. That's out. 
Yeah, but you're prior lucky. To that, you're lucky. I pay you. Right. <laughs> but prior to that, you know, so when you think about it, the quality of life and the quality of time is it gets cheaper and cheaper for the lives of people in working lives as well, because you're working for less and less ultimately. And this has been going on for a, a good while. You're talking yeah. about, about 15 or so years. Like 20 to 30. <laughs> 20, to 30. 20 to 30. Well, well it was have... digressing. Yeah. But it, it, I think it really hit a peak of nothingness, you know. <laughs> At, you know. Yes, a peak of nothingness. A peak let's of nothingness. Not, let's not forget that. <laughs> not just nothing, but a peak of nothingness. So, you know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it's just so much to take in. So let's go back to the COVID thing. And I think, and I said this earlier that I truly believe that when COVID began, I said, this is going to be a moment that there's going to be a lot of rude awakenings. We're going to learn more about ourselves. And because we learn about getting in touch with our feelings and our awareness, we're going to say, wait a minute, I'm being butt screwed. I'm being joked about. My life means more than this. Look at my pay. Look how my workers treat me. Look how my boss treats me. Look how the system tells me whatever, you know? And now I got to be concerned about breathing, living, and catching something that's going to, you know, be, be fatally injure or kill, take out not just me, but family members. And then you got, and, and then no coverage to do it, you know, for it. So it's it's a lot going on. Yeah, it's a lot going yeah. on. <clears throat> I think that, uh, and what's funny to me, when I listened to that uh, that little piece about the Walmart <laughs> worker, when I first heard about it, in my mind, I'm thinking in my mind Walmart, and I'm thinking it's probably somewhere in the South, possibly mid South and Midwest, and it was probably a black female who just, you know, only has had so much because we know, we, you know, the snapping point of people of color because p- particularly because it's a cumulative. Yes. People don't understand it. The world doesn't understand that. They want to say, oh, that's stereotypical of that behavior. No, it's stereotypical of anyone who has a cumulative post-traumatic st- stress and the snapping point that they, wait a minute, this is all I'm going to take. But no, in this case, this was... Uh, uh, a blue collar working class Walmart you know Anglo female that says I'm tired of this low income putting up with all this stuff pay and this is it and I think COVID and particularly people who have been forced to have to stay home and work or be without because we know as a result of uh, like I said the first 90 days six months people were furloughed people were laid off people were let go and then, you know, okay, not mention government stepping in because before the government stepped in immediately, people were traumatized by that, especially those who have never been, uh, had gaps in, in employment. What? Not me, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do that, baby. Yeah, that doesn't happen to me in my family, right? So you have, again, Just those others. They, that's correct. Absolutely. So that's, that's why I'm saying in a mindset, unlike people who are, continuously faced with mm-hmm. challenges throughout their lives and well, employment and the of, workplace and so forth. Instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. instead of post-protracted. Hmm. Okay. And there's a sister. And, and explain her name is, when you mean protracted. Okay, uh, 
her, there's a sister Joyce. I think it's Degree. 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 Right. Okay, the professor. Now, the professor. Mm-hmm. Now she goes into way deep. Right. But the bottom line is this: What if, if if you realize how destructive PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, which means we're talking about the trauma as a result of incident or incidents. What about when it's protracted? What about when it never ends? What about every freaking day? So now if PTSD has reduced some men and women coming out of the military, right, has reduced them basically to oatmeal, mush, <laughs> uh. okay, brain-wise, what about the people that have lived it their whole life? What about the people from the time they were one or two or three? Continuously. Protracted mm-hmm. over time. Right. 18 years old, 20 years old, right. 30 years old, 40 years old, right. 50 years old. What what does, should that person expect? And you connect their dots of trauma compared you think, to you other think people's PTSD dots of trauma. is a big deal. Right. You're in the military or you got injured by the police in your city or county. Right. Okay. All of that's real. But what happens for those who have the accumulative, you said the word, yes. the accumulated impact over years and years and years mm-hmm. of trauma. Now, trauma-informed care is a major training area for almost everybody in, in nonprofit service provision. Mm. Mm-hmm. You got to learn what you're dealing with because it's not PTSD. Okay. It's not post. It's ongoing. Right. It's now. <laughs> and until the end of time. Right. Because it doesn't stop. Y'all, I'm just crazy right now. Not yesterday. Not to, right now. Every day, all day. How you doing? <laughs> 5150 right now. <laughs> it's present. <laughs> but that, that, that to me is something that, that the... COVID-19 situation, and then I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say something that a lot of people are going to... Go on and stretch it, brother. Stretch question. the limbs. <laughs> <laughs> but what if everything we're experiencing is on purpose? Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if those that want to reduce the population of the planet... Mm-hmm can use COVID-19 and all of the variants. Let's not forget the variants. Mm. There are now three. Less than a month ago, there was one. The variants are going to continue. Okay, well, I think it's all part of the plan. And it may be. It may be. But at a minimum, at an absolute minimum, some of us, hopefully many of us, will begin to ask questions of ourselves and of the media and of the people in the big pharma world, big pharma corporations, the people that are on the payroll of the big pharma corporations that allegedly claim to represent us in Congress and in state legislatures, legislatures. What, where are we going? Mm 
what is the goal? If the goal is to reduce the world population, you got that rolling. That's that's rolling. So you don't have to worry about that now. We approaching a million people dead globally. And America alone is at seven seven hundred and some thousand. Okay? But what if in twenty twenty three people look back and say, you know, somebody back in twenty twenty one said that they thought this was part of a conscious plan and not just, you know, uh, some Chinese doctor in a, and the, the, one other point, very few Americans realize that the Wuhan lab is a CDC lab. You know, you, I do recall, I do recall, yeah. and you did, See, yeah. And, 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 and yeah, that right. means you can stop yelling Chinese because the CDC lab in Wuhan was funded entirely by CDC in America. So let me just say, so that goes to circle back a segue into some of the people have used the argument, not just on social media. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, primarily on social media. Um, and then you have people that are out there protesting and, you know, and groups about conspiracy theories around this and reasons why they don't want the vaccination or you can't make me, you can't mandate it and so forth. So again, this is, you know, how COVID COVID is impacting you in your life, not only in your workplace, but in just the new, whatever the new normal might be. And because of that, now I have to bring up, there's so many parts to this, right? So, folks, we will probably continue these conversations yes, yes. around this because it's ongoing. It's uh, uh, pro proactive. Or is that what I want to say, proactive? Well, it is proactive, well, but... It's, well, it's it planned to be continuous. Yeah, continuous. So... Okay, so what we have now, fast forward for, you know, and we could talk about the economic impact in individuals because, first of all, the government came out with just to keep people afloat when everybody was going before anybody, the conspiracies came out to keep people afloat. They were able to get their unemployment. And then there was the CARES Act that came out in March uh, 2020. And the CARES Act enabled people who uh, to get $400 a week, a week. And there were people that weren't earning that much on their daily jobs. So talk about impact and how that created a shift and an awakening. Cause now you've got masses of people on the bottom of society, those low level blue collar workers and so forth that support the restaurant industries support worked at the Walmarts and all of that. That says, well, wow. Service, retail, mm-hmm. food, food, entertainment. Entertainment. Um, that's yeah. where, that's manufacturing. The largest, those are the largest portions of the workforce right. who are at the bottom. Right, right. And the people working in the factories, you yeah. know, on the assembly lines. And that all of a sudden that time afforded them and at that pay without now they have for the first time in their lives. And I've always said this about America. One of the things that sets us apart in our work culture for years, when we started before our PTSD syndromes and workplace shootings peaked over the last 10 years prior to that, even 15 years, but prior to that, my personal critique was that, 
you know, people were being stressed out in the workplace because the American uh, workforce culture is all that has a superficial hierarchy that keeps you uh, with with a corporate uh, slave master slave masters foot on your neck. And you you have to earn two weeks. So if you change jobs now, you got to start from first to accumulate two weeks. Yeah, to get a pay. I mean, to get a a vacation. So it made it's because a vacation. If you have too much time on your hand, you get freedom. You discover it. You discover free thinking. You start thinking for yourself. You may even be bold and step outside the international line of this country. Go into another country and discover more about yourself. And discovering too much about yourself mm. means mm. you have awakened and empowered sub, uh, consciously. The genie and, and is, awake. is awake. Oh my, that's too threatening for uh, American corporate driven uh, society, mm-hmm. you know, capitalist society, the, the capitalists of the capitalists. Yeah, I'm saying that. Yeah, that. That's very important because one of the things that a lot of people on the planet don't realize is that a lot of the things that we're, we're programmed to expect as treatment, diagnosis, save us, help us recover our health, is funded by people that believe in population reduction. Hmm. Okay. I mean, uh, the, the, what's the boy's name? Um, I can see his face. I can't call it. The, with the glad Gates. Gates. Uh, Bill and, Gates? Uh, Bill Gates and others. Okay. That are, that are severely population control, population reduction force. Consciousness. Okay. But part and, of that has then, to do with the climate, though. That, well, you know, trying to... Impact, yeah, but but see, this is where I think they're playing it. Okay, true. What we hear most often is that we need to reduce the population to save the planet. I think okay. part of that, for a Bill Gates in a technology perspective, and what they know based on their inventions and so forth, that most of the damage to the climate. Okay, into the Earth's environment has been catapulted in advance because of the innovation, technological innovations. There's guilt there. And where now they have set a, a price and affordability and accessibility throughout all countries first, second, Third you know, less advanced, world, and all of that. Undeveloped world, countries where it's really where we're creating just. Uh, dump yards all over the globe. Interestingly enough, in the 70s, there was a book by Samuel F. Yet, Y-E-T-T-E, called The Choice. Okay. He worked in H-E-W as part of the federal government of the United States. He discovered in documents that were well distributed mm-hmm. and read and quoted in the federal government, he read about the HSH, human scrap heap. Hmm. And that one of the one of the paradoxes mm-hmm. that Gates and others have been contemplating for at least 20, 25, 30 years. As we write off more people, 
and place them in the human scrap heap, at some point we're going to have to do something with them. Hmm. COVID-19. Prime particular example. Okay. Cuts across lines. Reduces the population. And hmm. we can pump it up or slow it down. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's where I think the, the unfortunate discovery for a lot of Americans is that some of the people that they look at as being philanthropists okay. are not philanthropists. They're investing in what they believe, just like Margaret Sanger did with Planned Parenthood. Ah, okay. I okay. got you. Okay. Yes. Margaret Sanger believed in, what is that phrase? Um, trying to remember the phrase they use for those that want to eliminate people of color. Um, uh, it, it begins with an E. I can't call it, but the the thing is this. If you know that the human scrap heap, mm. those that are declared mm-hmm. in unvaluable, unusable by the existing social orders, it only makes sense that those same forces would come up with a way to reduce that H at human scrappy population. Mm. And if you look at the changes in the workplace, Mm -hmm. if you look at the changes in terms of what happens to people, those that have money, those that don't have money. You're talking about eugenics. Eugenics. Margaret Sanger. Sanger, Mm -hmm. eugenics. Now, very few people understand Mm. what Margaret Sanger was really about. Right. Right, and I she did a documentary. Yeah, there's uh, a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. I've seen. I know I've seen one. I may have seen two, but Margaret Sanger's just an example mm-hmm. of somebody who has gotten literally glorified and, and knighted and all kind of good shit <laughs> all around the world for what she was doing for poor women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but. When you scratch a little bit deeper, then it's like, well, wait a minute, hold it. Because the birth control pill came out of Margaret Sanger's world. And right. it was it was always available to the middle class. Hmm. And then when she started Planned Parenthood, it was like, what was really the goal of Planned Parenthood? Uh-huh. Now, if it was to the clear goal, or the secondary, uh, or even tertiary, covert, or even tertiary, or tertiary goal. covert goal. Okay. And in 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 what would you say? I would say she was very effective in who she partnered with to help create what became later, you know, the the pill. Um. But also in terms of opening Planned Parenthood clinics, look where the clinics are. In the hood. Planned Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> look who look 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 where they are. Mm-hmm. Look who they are. Where serve. they were anyway. Well, well were. Right. But still to this day, there are those that look at her as an icon. True. And have no fucking clue 
about the real shit the going ultimate, on behind the scenes. The ultimate intent. Right. Right. You know. Where, you know, so it's taking, in one way, it's taking something that was really, really effed up and then making a positive because obviously it was suited for those with specific needs. It's like, well, I could take advantage of this thing, although she might have been trying to do this. But it's it's I, ironic, but it's it's twofold. There was really it, produces it served a, result, a purpose. It produces a result that I don't have to confess to. Right. So okay. So with that, I got to go back to you know now. This is a good time to talk about vaccinations because this is going to be ongoing. But anyway, yes. so with that same. Uh, just just Suspicion. so we don't miss it, right quick. Okay. Just, just okay. so we don't miss the point. Okay. Just like Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, look at Bill Gates and his money focused on population reduction when you think about COVID nineteen. Okay. Okay. I got just, you. just like just like millions around the world don't know Sanger's real background Mm -hmm. what she the move she really made Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know to this day what bill gates is invested in so okay so we'll we'll continue we're gonna have to continue a bigger dive on that because some people have used multiple reasons and i when i say people i'm not gonna say some people people that are opposed to the vaccination and i'm talking about white black all, all, all kind of people all kind of people but primarily white and primarily black primarily uh-huh. that are most vocal on social media they go on lengthy conspiracies and they go all and on and on now see check this out check this out a lot of different rhetoric and then you have you know whites for a whole nother reason with their own set of uh, conspiracies and discussion about it. Not the same reasons that, you know, totally different, totally different. Yeah. And so, but in the meantime, you've had hundreds of thousands of people to die. 700,000 plus just in America, in America, just in America, in America and how people are contracting the, this, uh, virus. Um, that was something that you and I briefly talked about off off air, but we can you know just touch on it. So how it, how rapidly it spread, and now we're on variations of those because the virus is evolving. Okay, we know. Okay, we're not going to go back to the Wuhan part, but let's just say now accountability because now when it comes to accountability of individuals who refuse to get vaccinated, but yet, and it's so funny. Gosh, I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to shout out to Brother Buddha Helms. That's not his real name. His name is James James Helms. So, hey, what's up, James? And thanks for sharing the uh, the information, the video about the Walmart uh, (laughs) employee that uh, Mm -hmm. quit over the microphone. That was wonderful. But this is a brother that told me that uh i'm i won't say the employer that he works for but he's in transportation it's a a private company i believe it's private private or pu- public it, it does uh transportation for uh specific uh 
population demographic yeah. and population primarily elders and mm-hmm. people with handicaps mm-hmm. and so forth mm-hmm. he had uh, a cousin that worked for the same employer cousin is you know um a a hundred and five percent you know christian and proud um there's a certain type of christianity uh i think believers that you know and this is another group across america that says you know they don't believe in going to doctors and hospitals for nothing they don't take any type of vaccinations and so forth god's got my back well this this particular cousin worked for the same company and it turned out that he and his wife that said God got us 100% covered and I believe he was in his late 40s maybe early 50s both contracted uh, COVID-19 mm-hmm. both suddenly end up in critical condition and emergency yeah. while in critical condition and on respirators and so forth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he passed Mm-hmm. The wife managed to hang on, and she didn't know, of course, that he had passed. And so when he told me coming back, it was like the same week, and you know that was hard information to swallow when you when it suddenly, you know, this I was just talking, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, and I remember, you know, it's like, is our job going to make it mandatory now? A lot of employers, and this is more recent occurrence in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a big thing on the news, you know, not just locally, but, you know, across the U.S. And uh, the employers, particularly in public service industries that are requiring, we're going to let you either come back to work or whatever. But now it's a mandate that in order to keep your job, your jobby job, J-O-B, <laughs> you are required to get this vaccination. So here we are at a standoff, depending on who you, is your employer. You got nurses and male and female nurses that says, you know, EMTs, EMTs. Thank you. You've got them everywhere. Now I, I've got to talk about the NBA. You've got sports uh, franchises mm-hmm. where one brother just gave up half his annual salary. Lakers. LeBron, not LeBron. No, 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 not LeBron, LeBron, but, no. but. Half of a hundred and thirty-one million dollars. Because he said, "Hell, fuck to the you! No. I'm not doing it." So you know what? So I, I gotta go back up now. Now we'll just jump right on to the to the teams. Let's just talk about the Lakers. Let's talk about basketball. Let's talk about what's going down. Down. Okay. So LeBron, Bron, King, Bron. They call me. They give me every kind of high title. You know, uh, emperor. You know, whatever you want to call him, and. For a long time, he was on that conspiracist. He didn't. He wasn't out there talking about. It, but he was took a stand. I'm not getting it. Can't make me. Can't make my family. Da da da. da. This was since for the last eighteen months. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, in the last three months, quietly, silently, he accepted and got vaccinated. Got his family vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But so he's got. Uh, flashback and clap back because as someone who is strong influence on many people a who major look up to influencer him, global global he's way that, outside of basketball way outside of basketball he's that person but you know he is a, a, a influential global role model and not after having changed and secretly getting the vaccination not taking the stand and 
and making the presence where I guess it looks like he's either, you know, contradicted himself and because of his pride. And now I'm not saying nothing. I'm just going to keep it quiet. No, but what somebody like that who was so strong at his beliefs, did people have to die around you for you to finally say, I'm not putting my exposing my family to this. We ain't doing that. Something had to hit some reality. I think, and I have no in-depth knowledge to base this on, Mm -hmm. but I believe that LeBron, like many, many others, when they're faced with the the inevitable contradiction, Mm -hmm. because nobody says you got to believe all the conspiracies, but you do have to believe the reality of what America's done with motherfucking vaccines. Okay? Nobody talks about with the initial polio vaccine how many thousands and tens of thousands of youth got polio after they got the vaccine. Now I've heard of all I've heard all the arguments, okay? We were at a lower level of developing our ability to produce vaccines. Um we later found out how to improve it, blah, 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 blah. But the bottom <laughs> line is they've been pimping vaccines for a long fucking time. So if I'm LeBron or somebody else who's truly concerned about my family, my kids, my partner, my my elders, and I find that I get information that tells me they're going to die unless you do what I fucking say. Then we have a very different dynamic. And I think that to some degree, some of that has been going on Mm. for quite a while. Mm. And I think more and more it's beginning to come to the surface to where people are like, wait a minute, hold it. Did you just tell me that either I do what you say or all my all my loved ones are gone. Regardless of your history, regardless of what you've done to the world, regardless of what's been proven. The Tuskegee experiment covered almost 40 fucking years. Those people were never told they were given to, uh, um, syphilis. Right, right. They were made to believe it was some kind of vaccine. Right. So there's all sorts of things. So let's just back up a little bit on on just the vaccine because, you know, when we talked about the polio vaccine and we know that particularly with the uh, Tuskegee experiment, very set aside of anything else. But mass vaccinations, you're also talking about mumps. You're talking about diphtheria, talking about chicken pox. Yeah, all that. uh, Measles vaccinations. Polio was something out of all these things that probably had the most uh, damaging outcome, all those other ones and so many more because of the numbers that representative and all the people that receive the vaccinations is a very small, you have to admit that in all the world of receiving vaccinations of, you know, young youth, young children from, you know, on up. So now if we want to focus on that, yes, vaccinations, I mean, on, the 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 ugliness of vaccinations and the percentage of people 
that, and I'm not talking about the uh, Tuskegee incident because no, that's period. totally very specific oh, yeah. and isolated yeah. uh, experiment, you know, in itself. That was there, you know, in very six, six foot block letters experiment <laughs> right. with my life. Right. So, but when we move forward, 50s and on, polio and et cetera, et cetera, yeah, yeah. and the numbers of uh, millions of people that receive vaccinations. So polio and the negative impact of that is really small in numbers. Now we're in the, the, the world of COVID. Now we're looking at the impact of, you know, deaths, not resulting from getting COVID vaccination, from the result of getting and contracting COVID. Mm-hmm. Who survives and who dies? Now, and it, and it comes down in who, who passes it on. Why? Why do people die? No, no, no. An important question mm-hmm. about those that die, mm-hmm. those that don't die and pass it on with what they now call long-term COVID. Okay. You now have people that have had COVID a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years, two mm-hmm. and a half years. Mm-hmm. They're not dying. Some of those people, some of those people kind of youthful. When I say youthful, maybe thirties, forties Yeah, at best. Yeah. Uh, younger, better, because um, they tend to survive a little more than people that are older that mm-hmm. did not get vaccinated and still will not. Yeah. They'll tell you they're not doing it, even though they ha- had it, survived it. And even if they had to be hospitalized for long periods, I know someone right now, now that I think about it, only through a family member uh, who's in the state of Nevada and who is in her 50s will not be vaccinated don't you know conspiracy and all that no i'm not doing it but she ended up with covid she has an elderly mother and a niece the mother has all kind of ailments the niece fine i think she's nine years old but they all now have been exposed to her and i think the little girl did get it she mother got her and she's okay you know survived and fine the her elderly mother, I don't know if she ever got it, but I know health wise, she is in no condition to, to fight nothing. To fight nothing. Right. But you have people that are very uh strong conviction about what they believe and they're not doing it because they're suspicious and untrusting and not willing, you know, we got one hand and one hand and the other because you don't know all. Even if you believe in the conspiracies, you still don't know all what ain't going to harm you. You don't know that. Yeah. But rather than, you know, for some people, it's like, look, I don't. But I'm going to go with some type of insurance. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll take myself as one. It's like, I ain't got time. Now, I would not have been one of those early receivers. But, and I certainly wasn't a late one. I was someone mid-stream. Uh, but I'm also someone who has had chicken pox and had vaccination. I've had mumps. I've had measles. <laughs> you know, I've had them all. And, but I, 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 I survived. Yeah. You know, I didn't hear about people not surviving with chicken pox. I mean, it wasn't nothing pretty. Now, I, and it's funny because I think it well, was about. Not with children. Not with children, but, but three years ago. Adults. Two and three years ago, it, it, you know, it came back. Remember, there yeah. was an outbreak. Yeah. And I thought, well, how is there an outbreak, you know, 
because, and this this is to me where, when people say conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. I consider that over here, mm-hmm. okay? But there are facts, documented fucking facts, mm-hmm. that show that any and all of the vaccines that we have experienced, I grew up with them, I had them, and I had the diseases. Mm-hmm. So, I did too. <laughs> you know, at some point, I'm asking, you know, like at 12 years old, well, what was that thing? I, what? One thing I did have was mumps, and I had never had a vaccination for it. But I had mumps, and it was out of all of those things that I had, it was the most miserable thing for me. I'll never forget it. Yeah. But one of the things that I think that all of us as thinking, conscious individuals have mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. What do I do when the facts directly contradict the programming? We have been told that people that get the vaccine are protected. I now know four people that got the vaccine and are dead. And if not, wait, wait, none of the four was the Delta virus or the Mu virus, it was COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a question in my mind. Okay, now you said that this was for COVID-19. These people died of COVID-19 after their vaccination. My only counter to that, I mean, it's not a counter. Right. This is only my comment. Because I remember a while, you know, early on, hearing about people that died. Mm -hmm. And some maybe received a vaccination. Of course, there's those who didn't, and we always say, well, they didn't. But the people who were most impacted once that did receive or or did contract COVID have the virus that became ill, the ones who were more subjected to to, uh, death and not surviving, what pre-existing conditions did they have or that existed that compounded None. their situation? These four. Well, that that's kind of unusual against no, the grain. It's, no, then. It's, it's definitely against the grain. It's mm-hmm. definitely unusual. Mm-hmm. My point is not that it happened, mm-hmm. but why don't we hear any of that? Why don't that's, we hear it? Mm-hmm. But I mean, even if it's minor. Yeah. I'd be curious to know because to me, I'm a person that want to know as much yeah, as facts as, as possible. possible, you know. So, because because most of the situation, I'll say, for example, the guy that told me about his uh, his cousin and the wife, both in their early fifties, mm-hmm. both very much overweight, and I don't know the rest yeah. about their but lifestyle. I don't know the rest. Conditions. I, yeah, and I don't know any of those conditions. things. Yeah. But if I just went by overweight. You know, I don't Which know what kind of blood diet. pressure, all kind of especially other stuff when you're talking out. about African American people. Yeah, you know, there's all kind Those of other that things. Those appear to be healthy in heart our community issues are not healthy. Blood pressure, sugar, you know, there's all kind of things, and not to mention, there's been quite a few entertainers since COVID, and we don't even know why they've passed. They haven't said. I sure like to know because some of them, like a that, who was it? Wasn't it the Supremes? that passed Mary Mary yeah and never heard why they stay silent uh 
There was Shabadoo, the uh, Soul Train dancer, died. Never heard why. Now I remember, uh, and and a few others. Now yeah. I'm not going to even mention the ones that because of drugs. In fact, speaking of passing, not long ago, um, it was uh, also the actor because of Michael drugs. L. Williams Stevens. I think his last name Michael Stevenson. He had the scar on his Michael face. Michael K. Yeah, scar down the middle of his face. Right, right, yeah. right. You could tell he was somebody did that. What they call the the earphone cut or whatever it was, not yeah. an ear cut, whatever. That was tragic, and it was uh, drugs. But see, he now now for my, in Michael's case, mm-hmm. the actor. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's interesting how they prior to the build up they gave him. Mm-hmm. Right, I never heard about this long term addiction. Do you think then, we would have as an actor? Yeah. Because I don't think that we hear about those things very frequently. The, remember remember the white boy, short, chunky white boy played, um, he played real controversial characters, hell of an actor, mm. and died surrounded by heroin packages. No, how long ago was that? Mm, five, six years, seven years. I mean, he I was, he was, uh, um, shit, what's his last name? Was he in me? Movies, major yeah, movies? yeah, no, star. Hmm. Okay, but he was he was very he, he had an eclectic style. Okay. Okay. Oh, but, you're talking about uh, Michael. Not Michael. No. Um, it wasn't Michael. I'm gonna tell you his name. He. Oh, I can't because my. What's <laughs> gonna take? But he was in Boogie Nights. He played a Truman Capote. Um. Uh, I don't. Did he? Truman Capote? Yeah, he did. And it was a great movie. But, uh, yeah, he played in Boogie Nights. Well, what I was going to say is this. What I was going to say is this. Mm -hmm. With Michael, the black man, the actor, star, on and on, right? For the first time in all of what I've read about him over the years, Mm -hmm. there was a, 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 a continuous reference to his long-standing addiction to heroin and cocaine. And that his struggles, have, what? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. Because now his, his son is starring in shit. Oh, really? Okay. But with, with Michael K., you know, because of what he's played, who he's played, what, you know, that kind of thing, how he came up, I really had read a lot about him. All of a sudden, upon his death, now everybody's referencing a long stir, a long-standing addiction to cocaine and heroin. And I'm like, well, wait a minute now. I ain't miss, I ain't miss that. Well, I feel like we hardly knew much about him because uh, the last thing that he did, and it was the show um, on uh, Netflix. It was kind of a sci-fi, uh, yeah, African American yeah. centric, which I thought he played wonderful role. Um, and the and he, the he, Watchmen, what well, I think it was the Watchmen, yeah, something like the Watchmen. Wasn't it the one anyway, was going? Yeah, uh, but it wasn't with Regina. Regina uh, was in the Watchmen, so it wasn't the Watchmen. She wasn't. It wasn't the Watchmen. It was another one, and I I want to say. Um, uh, what's the girl? Her brother played in um, the gay guy who was in Chicago that pretended 
to be jumped on. What was his oh, name? Oh, oh, uh, 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 Smollett. Smollett. Smollett, yeah. Smollett, Smollett. Right, so his sister, uh, Smollett, she was in the character, not Jesse, I think her name starts with a J, too, in, yeah, in the show. Right. So it wasn't, uh, yeah, uh, Journey, Journey Smollett, I think. Something, it's, it's, I think it's Journey, or something like something Journey. Something like Journey. But anyway, yeah, she was in... Um, starred in this show in fact uh over uh what was it love lovecraft country right right that was it and he was in that yeah because he played the father right and it was that was the last thing that i really saw him in but everything that he every role that he played uh was outstanding i mean straight up from from the um What's the drug? the one that was in baltimore oh oh uh, uh on the street on the street um it was called the uh not orange not the wise uh, the uh shit i know i know the one you're talking about right <laughs> i can't remember but um yeah michael williams yeah michael k williams k williams and uh let's see his imbd movie reads uh he was in 12 years a slave i didn't yeah. realize that yeah he was in django yeah Superfly. Yeah. Uh he was in, let's see, The Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Gone Baby Gone, which I did not see. That was good too. Um, he was in Brooklyn's Finest. Yeah. Belly Two, which I did not see. Yeah. He was in Betsy about Betsy Smith. I kind of right. remember that. Um Right, with Queen Latifah. Right, right. And uh, that would have been Central Park Five. Yeah. And then the other one was, oh, God, I want to say the, it was like Showtime. I can't remember the name of it. Well, see, that, that just considering now, mm-hmm. consider the list of accomplishments you just read. Right, mm-hmm. I've read about all them things for years about Michael K. I don't remember any references to a long-standing addiction to heroin and cocaine. Mm-mm. I heard once or twice there was rumors that he had drug-related problems, but the way it was the way it was reported after his death mm-hmm. was if this had been a consistent thread throughout his career. Oh, really? And that's what bothered me. It wasn't, you know, okay, you're addicted. Okay, you, you got a problem. But how is it that I've never heard the of The wire. It? Oh, the wire. That was driving but, me crazy. But how yes. is it that I've never heard this and I know I've been reading, you know, mm-hmm. starting this, starting that, da 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 nominated for this, nominated for that, da 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 mm-hmm. And then on your death, mm-hmm. you're found surrounded Again, surrounded by packages mm-hmm. of heroin and cocaine with a fentanyl mix, which is the latest hot shit on the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. And now all of a sudden everybody is referencing a longstanding addiction. It's like, well, wait. Well, think okay, about wait it. Wait a minute now. Wait, wait. So let's go if back. You, if you had a problem, I'm not saying they had to put you on blast. Right. But why nothing 
and then death caused by that, and then everybody backs it, back back backs it up. Oh yeah, well everyone knew that he had a new deal. Well, here's the thing. I think okay, because there's 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 all kind of things going on here. So for one thing, I I never knew that about Philip Seymour Hoffman until until he died. I didn't know about Robin Williams. A little bit of heard a little bit of stuff later years. I knew about Hoffman because he got busted on movie sets. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I mean, but no, I mean, and I, I don't either, but literally. I because, mean, they walked on in on him for uh, the movie where he played the CIA dude. And uh, uh, Tom Hanks played the Southern uh, Senator. Oh, that was a good movie. That was an excellent movie. But you know, that's Seymour Hoffman. I love every role he played in. He played the hell out of, that's, it was shocking to me. You know, someone with this kind of talent. But see, that doesn't mean anything. No. Because sometimes the more talent, the more challenge, just like that's uh, what you seek. Robin Williams. You seek to escape. So, okay. So I'm going to say, for example, uh, in, uh, I think it was late 89, early 90s, in the heat of the night, it was Robin, Ra- I mean, uh, Howard Rollins, the brother. He had a cocaine issue. In fact, he died of OD'd on cocaine. Now, the only people knew what was going on really for the people that worked on the set. Mm-hmm. It wasn't out there. And then nobody, but then remember for a long time, people, you know, you had African American males, let's say, particularly in the nineties at the peak of little cocaine selling rocks and stuff like that, went to prison for things like that. Or women that were, you know, they call them the toss up and the strawberries that it would totally coked out of the head if they survived, you know, uh, the streets and survived their own addiction and their bodies breaking down, they probably ended up in prison for, for addiction in prison. So now there's more of an open approach about talking about it because it was ignored that, Oh, these people, you arrest them, but just like, uh, the, uh, or the, uh, opiates, you know, it, it was really a division of color and groups that were impacted by that. Right. So if you were white, you get help for addiction. If you were black, you went to prison because look what we found on you. So it may boil down to, you know, some of that behavioral old thinking that was systemic of how the approach to things of not, but I didn't know these things though, for really, honestly, I felt like a lot of things you only knew because either you knew from degrees of separation for people who were associated to working with the cast or the set. Yeah. You know, coming from LA, there were things you heard about a whole lot of people that the most of the world don't know. No, but you know, because you, you know, you know, they, I don't know if you remember, uh, Sir Lady Java? Yeah! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get all in. Because I hadn't heard that name. Woo! They're making a movie about it. Are they really? Okay, now explain who Sir Lady Java is for I'm sure many people do not know. 1968, I'm working at the Memory Lane nightclub in Los Angeles on what Santa Barbara Avenue, which is now Martin Luther King Boulevard. And that was a big, popular institution of a nightclub um that was probably one of the true supper clubs supper clubs okay with performers you You had people from red fox to top to bottom and you had people off off broadway 
and, and stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. You had people from, you know, the theater world. Mm-hmm. Um, Marla Gibbs ended up owning that place. Right. Now, the guy that I worked for was the owner for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he, he had a son close to my age. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met him, the owner. But um, Sir Lady Java made pretty decent living. Yeah. Playing her 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 stick. Okay. Well explain who Sir Lady well, Java well, was. I, I was about to say Okay. It. The first time I saw Sir Lady Java, the left side of her body, she was dressed as a man. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember With seeing suit, that in uh, that, Jet magazine yeah. or something or something. And the right side she was dressed or as a the woman. LA Sentinel. <laughs> LA Sentinel, you know, right. <laughs> but um, that was that was his her thing, right? Okay, right. And early on, early. Well, I mean, we talk like prehistoric history, early, right? Okay, in Performing. terms of that community and right. that kind of performances, right? Okay, but the um, Caribbean Inn. Memory Lane, California Club. California Club was also famous for Etta James. Was that on Central? No, that's on still on Martin Luther King Bo- on, on oh, Santa okay. Barbara. Okay, got See, it. See, they Memory Lane is Second Ave and Santa Barbara near Lamert Park. Yeah, near near Lamert Park. California Club was on Santa Barbara going back towards Western. Okay, going East. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, My father used to go to the memory lane. I mean, every time he came to town, you know, and this would have been like, let's say, uh, the 80s, is like, baby, got to go to the memory lane. Got to go, let me go to the memory lane see what's going down. You know, because apparently that, that was his topic ground when he was in town. Oh, you kidding? He had some good memories at the Mary Lane's. You could, I saw the the midnight to four a.m. poker games. Mm, mm -hmm, You mm. know, I'm talking that was a that was a spot thirty forty thousand dollars on the table. Do you remember the Buckingham Palace? Yeah, I'm talking about it. This is making me think of some things. But anyway, go ahead. Never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) But um, what happened was that. just like Sir Lady Java was a minor regional celebrity. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a lot of what happened to Etta James. Hmm. She had some national play, mm-hmm. but her real market mm-hmm. was that regional Southern California. Hmm. I didn't know where that. People, look, I, I, I remember busting dishes, mm-hmm. you know, at the California club <laughs> and Etta was there, what, three, four nights a week? Yeah. And that audience would be there. Wow. And was she heavy on drugs then? Wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. Right. Because, I mean, one, she was a small person. Okay, short. Okay, short. But thick. Or maybe she wasn't that thick then. No, no. She was. Then? She was thick. Okay. <laughs> so she's been thick for a long she, time. She was, either, she was almost square. Okay. <laughs> As my friend says, four by four, five by five. Okay. Okay. But um, I remember busting tables at the California Club mm-hmm. and 
the same audience three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. You know, but Sir Lady Java deserves to have a movie made about her, him, um, because for so many of us that grew up in that era, we all knew who was who. Well, you know, I, I was never uh, baffled by what they now call transgender. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or transgender. Then would you say she was a drag queen in a sense? No, well, see, that's, that's what I'm saying, dear. Okay. We've lived through five, six, seven fucking labels. Right. Okay. Right. See, but trans, it, transgender, though, is having surgical, anatomical. Right. But changes. I'm saying, yeah. The, the, where that community is now started with people like that's Sir Lady That's true. You're right. Okay. Who was just because, beautiful, too. Look. I've I've saw her come out in just the bathing suit, <laughs> and it was like, damn, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and that was the way a lot of people. He was ne- I never saw him or her disrespected or mm-hmm. treated badly. Mm. Um, people really embraced it because well, yeah. Sir Lady Java was a star in the local community. Well, in their a in, regional in, in celebrity, his and hers own right. Was a regional celebrity, a local regional celebrity. I know he opened um, a couple of fundraisers for the NAACP. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, when the uh, uh, Jim Brown had the after hours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Sir Lady Java was a, a highlighted Let performer. Let me ask you this when Jim Brown had the after hours, mm-hmm. was it in Hollywood at his space? Oh, yeah. So, oh, so it wasn't like someplace, it was one of his private speakeasies then. Gotcha. Because he used to have parties all the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. Private. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And everything that happened there stayed there. Right. Exactly. Just like Las Vegas. It better. It better. What goes in Jim's house stays in Jim's house. (laughs) Jim's house is a mess. Hey, y'all. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's bring it back around. We're going to continue to talk about COVID-19 and the impact it's having on the world. Okay. We're, we're clear we're going to need to continue to discuss oh, that. Oh, absolutely, because this is ongoing. So, yeah. you know, we're going to close it on today on the note of Sir Lady Java uh, getting uh, a movie in... Uh, documentary about documentary. her life. Documentary. I'm looking forward to that because I hope they do it very well because that would be I've juicy heard... and salacious and good. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is quite, and and actually, I'm going to tell you something, the photos I saw, mm-hmm. he still ain't doing bad. Oh, is Sir Lady Java still living? Yes. Oh, I didn't know. Well, right on, Sir Lady Java, honey, do your thing. We looking for a big up. So listen, y'all, we're going to wind it down. That's it for today, our show for today. It's so good to see uh, Brother Ali Black in the house. <laughs> Black. This is Sister Song B. I want to say thank you for vibing with we. Be sure to subscribe, share, follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes. So contact us, leave us a comment on Facebook, and hey, thanks for listening. Send a message and let us know you love us. Okay. All right, peace, y'all. Peace. Peace.